If you look around, there are so many ways to make a difference. At Capella University, our FlexPath format gives you a different way to earn your degree. Take courses at your speed. Move on whenever you're ready. Education should fit your life. Learn more at capella.edu. Three, two, one. Never has there been a better time to be alive in human history. If you're not feeling it, you must discover why. Join Matthew Bolton in developing and applying a framework of objective optimism toward a flourishing life of meaning, health, and happiness. Here's your host, Matthew Bolton. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Mr. Brightside. I'm Matthew Bolton. Today's show is an interview with guest Jared Hanning. Jared is a MindScan coach. The MindScan is a Nobel-nominated process that helps people access more of their brain or think at a higher level. Jared typically helps entrepreneurs Uh, get more done in less time and make more money doing it. Uh, But this is not just for entrepreneurs. He even gives a great example of a mother who was a a business person herself, but who lacked uh, family time that she wanted and then uh, was able to change her thinking patterns and free up 10 uh, hours of uh, free time a week. I mentioned this at the end of the interview. I meant to do it earlier, so I'll do it here, that Jared actually very kindly uh, allowed me to take the mind scan and went through a whole review and consultation with me uh, about my results, uh, just so that I would get a better idea of what I was interviewing him about. Um, but you'll get a very good sense of it by this interview anyway, because he does give some um, examples from um, some mind scan. He gives a bit of a presentation of what it is. And um, why don't you go in and see for yourself whether the mind scan is something something that you might like to look into and at least set you on a path to thinking more differently or thinking about how you might change your own thinking patterns to put yourself in a better position for success in whatever you're working towards in your life. So go ahead, guys. Um, It was just a fun interview. Jared's a very interesting guy, and uh, I hope you really enjoy it. Hi, everybody. Welcome now to our interview. I'm joined by Jared Hanning. Uh, Jared trains entrepreneurs how to work less, get more done, and get paid better for it. After 20 years as a full-time classical musician, Jared felt there was a greater need in the entrepreneur space, so he started teaching people how to access more of their brain on demand. Does it ever feel like there's too much on your to-do list than you have time to get done? Does it feel like working harder and faster doesn't seem to move the ball forward? Jared says, a breakthrough in your business will first happen as a breakthrough in your thinking. His clients normally double their income in the first year by purposely working fewer hours. They stop trying to do everything and start learning how to cause things to happen for them. This is possible with a Nobel-nominated process called the MindScan that teaches people how to think at a higher level. As a person, Jared loves classical music, working out, mountain bike trails, skydiving, and playing baseball with his son. His odd accomplishments include 1994 Mexico State skydiving record, splitting an arrow Robin Hood style, and becoming the world tickle champion in the five-year-old category. I do want to know about these things, Jared, as well as later. We'll get into that. Uh, And thank you very much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Good to be here. All right. So uh, before I ask you, before we get into the mind scan itself, what what is it and and a lot of uh, concepts related to it, um, I have a few general questions. And even before that, I'd like to ask you, I'm curious to know how you discovered the mind scan at all in the first place, how you got to be a coach slash consultant and, and why you love this work. So I guess we'll go back to what I did right before this. Uh, okay. I was a professional classical musician uh, full time. I was a principal violist with the South Carolina Philharmonic. And what some people don't know about music is that when you're engaged in music, whether you're um, singing to the radio while you're driving down the road or clapping your hands while you're listening to something. Um, when you're engaged, like actually creating, not passively listening, but you're actually uh, participating and co-creating the music, you're in that moment, you're using more different parts of your brain than any other activity. Uh, this is a contrast to other endeavors like athletic performance. Um, the better your body is performing athletically, the less of your brain you're using. Um, your brain enters kind of a quiet meditative meditative state because it can't afford to send glucose uh, to the brain. That glucose needs to go to the muscles. Uh, but music is the opposite. It's this um, panoply of color, fireworks, explosions. This is well documented with MRI studies. Um, but what makes this interesting is what if you could access more of your brain on demand for other activities, uh, work, planning, 
um, sales, marketing, sorting through your to-do list, whatever it is. So back in the day, I used to teach what was a series of exercises that I called the musical secrets. And this allowed you to tap into different parts of your brain so that you could kind of cross-pollinate ideas on the spot. I was speaking at a conference and um, on the musical secrets of leadership, and a guy came up to me and he's like, hey, have you ever tried this? And he sticks this assess, uh, assessment uh, in, in front of me that I had never seen before. So I gave it a try. Um, and I saw the way it maps out the way your brain solves problems. And I, I knew right away that this was exactly the missing piece for the work that I was doing. Um, because at that time, I was teaching people how your brain translates language into emotion because you can harness that for a lot of things during your day and communication. Mm-hmm. And this provided like the, the, the spork, the half spoon, spoon, half fork. It, it was the missing yeah. piece. Um, and that link uh, between the brain and what's going on in our life. So that's how I first got started um, yeah. using this process. Um, and it, now it's what I do full time. All right. Okay. Um, then how about this then? I guess you, so you were already teaching people, um, you said, what were you already teaching people? How to, how did you, so because I was a classical musician, I had a series of talks, the musical secrets of leadership, the musical secrets of productivity. Okay. Um, so there was some core, uh, activities and exercises that that Mm -hmm. people could do to start to tap into different parts of their brain. Mm -hmm. But back then, you know, we didn't really have a clear way of measuring or understanding what was going on like we do now. Yeah. Um, with the process that I've been using. Okay. So uh, what, what is the difference? And is this what you mean by the difference between a life coach and a performance coach? Or is that something else? Or in, in okay. any case, what is the difference between a life coach? What is the difference? And life a performance coach. And performance coach. coach. So um, the, when you go see a life coach, um, and this is just a part of their training, it's just a part of how they think. Mm-hmm. They don't tell you what to do. They only ask questions in hopes of you discovering it. Okay. So what happens is you'll end up seeing a life coach and they'll say something like, well, I don't know. What do you think? What do you think you should do? Mm-hmm. Well, the thing is what you think you should do is what has you in the situation to start with. If yeah. you knew what to do different or how to do it, you'd already be doing that. Well, you would hope so. Um, when you go see a strength coach, um, a coach in most other fields, really, if you go see a strength coach and you show up at the gym, the, um, the trainer doesn't go, well, I don't know, what exercise would you like to do today? What, what equipment do you think we should use today? No. They say, do three of those, do two of those, come back and see me tomorrow. And that's why when you go see a strength coach, you get results like that. So a mindset coach will put in front of your mind problems to solve, exercises, mindset push-ups. And by doing those exercises, it physically rewires the neurology. So your brain develops a new net, a new network of connections to solve those problems. And that's how you start thinking at a higher level. Right. Okay. Then you mentioned mindset um, and you seem to distinguish mindset and attitude. Uh, What is the difference between mindset and an attitude? Okay. Similar, uh, similar to uh, the difference between a mindset coach and a life coach. Um, Attitude is kind of like a way of thinking. Um, People think of like having a good attitude or a positive attitude or positive self-esteem. Yeah. Um, people think of like personality traits, like, uh, are you outgoing? Mm-hmm. Um, are you warm? Are you amenable? Those aren't actually helpful. <laughs> um, as we study successful business owners and entrepreneurs, there's no connection between the self-esteem, um, the confidence, self-image. There's no connection between that and their business. It, on the surface, it looks like it until you study enough of them and you realize that's not it. Mm-hmm. Mindset is a strategy. Mindset is a specific way of thinking that produces results. For example, yeah. if you are um, at, let's say, a nonprofit or something and you need to raise $10,000 that month or you're going out of business, you're going to go to work coming up with strategies 
that would help to raise $10,000. However, some of those strategies aren't going to work and you're going to chip away at it. You might get close. If you were to leave your office and go down the road to a different nonprofit, one where that month they needed to raise $100,000 or they were going out of business that month, sit in that room and listen to how they think. Listen to how they solve problems. Listen to the types of solutions they come up with. And go back to your room, and suddenly you're thinking on a much higher level. Yep. Now $10,000 is no trouble at all. In the beginning, your strategies might barely get you to 10. They certainly don't scale, and they won't get you to 100. But if you start at 100, those strategies, 10 is nothing. And that's okay. just because you're thinking at a much higher level. Mm -hmm. Yes, this is that mindset. This is not attitude, personality, general attitude toward life. It's about specific strategies. That's mindset. Okay. Mindset is a strategy. All right. In my Got opinion. In my yep, opinion. Yeah, sure, sure. No, but I mean, at least you're defining your terms then anyway. That's what we're talking <laughs> when you're talking mindset then. Um, what about to-do to list? You, what, what's wrong with them? Will, will they actually lower your income? Uh, I do have a claim. Uh, that the less you work, the more you make. Uh, yeah. I do have a claim that? that being focused on getting things done lowers your income. Okay. And thank you for bringing that up. Defend and here's why. Yeah. Um, if you will look at your to-do list, yeah. nine out of 10 things on there could be outsourced for 10 or $15 an hour. Mm -hmm. So what happens when we have the mindset that more action equals more results and that we need to take more action to get more results the brain just starts looking for things to do. So you, you, you'll look at your to-do list. You'd be like, okay, this will take five minutes. Let me knock it out real quick. And that'll take 10 minutes. Let me knock that out real quick. And you're just like checking stuff off. The problem is the things you're checking off are stuff that could be delegated for $10 an hour. So you get to the end of the day and you don't have the money to hire help and you don't have the free time to train them because you spent your whole day doing help job. Uh, if you don't have an assistant, you are the assistant. That's right. Um, and that's why being focused on checking things off your to-do list nine times out of 10 lowers your income uh, to fix that problem. Generally speaking, uh, the entrepreneur, when they wake up in the morning, it is very clear to them the single most important thing that they need to do that day. Mm -hmm. And that's not take out the trash, return the emails, reschedule the meetings. Um, there is one thing so the way you fix it is start your day with that one thing and you are not allowed to check emails or phone calls or schedules or nothing. Start your day with that one thing. After that, then you can go to the administrative tasks. If you will do this, it won't be very many days before you have the time and money you need to delegate and outsource those things. Mm -hmm. All right then. Um, how about this? This one seems to be stuck on its own, but it's an interesting question for me. I wonder, it seems that you said stage fright. What does that have to do with business success? Stage fright. Okay. How's, what's um, the relationship? Yes. So in, in business, many people have these crazy ideas that they want to do, but they don't have the confidence to pull it off. Um, okay. They don't have the certainty. They, they're, for whatever reason, they're, full, they're pulling up short. They're not taking action. Mm -hmm. And this is an emotional issue. And you right. cannot solve emotional issues with intellect. Um, this is why you can't reason your way through it or think your way through it or meditate your way through it or whatever. In, in music or dance or whatever the art is, um, that emotion shows up as stage fright. Um, the artist will prepare and they will perform very, very well and practice or rehearsal or private practice. And, but then they get on stage and their brain just turns to mush. Um, and like fear and panic and anxiety and what if I make a mistake and what if I slip up and what if I forget something and what if I can't remember and what if I, all that starts coming in because it's an important moment. You've got a lot at stake. You've got a lot of practice time at stake. You've got a lot of team members who are putting their time. You've got the audience's time. You know, you don't want to waste all that. So it feels, it feels some pressure. Um, the problem is the common advice doesn't work. Um, eat a banana before you go on stage, um, look at your notes, uh, be sure that you've practiced a whole bunch. I mean, it just, it doesn't work. It makes the situation worse. What I found uh, back when I was a full-time classical musician is that the best thing to do, rather than playing a small game, 
trying to get all the notes right, trying to look good, mm-hmm. is to play a much bigger game. So rather than me trying to get all the notes right, how about I stand in the gap for what's possible for my... Bet MGM is pitching baseball fans a chance to swing for the fences. Register using code CAPITAL200 and win $200 in free bets when you place a $10 money line wager on any Major League Baseball game and either team hits a home run, regardless of your bet's outcome. Enjoy baseball like never before with BetMGM's daily promotions at your fingertips all season long. Sign up today and find out why nothing beats a win at the king of sportsbooks. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Audiences experience. Um, And I remember I, I was at a place where... I, I wanted to quit playing. Um, this isn't an uncommon experience for musicians. Um, okay. You both love it and hate it. Um, you love playing and practicing, and but you hate giving performances because the stage fright is so miserable. Wow. And you, you play horrible, and you just want to quit and sell your instrument or whatever. So that's where I was, and this has been going on for decades. Um, and then I started to learn about this mindset work and some of these mindset push-ups and some of these principles. So I remember the, the day I was on stage with the symphony, um, I had a solo coming up, the orchestra's playing their part, and my part is getting closer and closer. And I just I made the decision, rather than try to get all the notes right, rather than try to play my best, um, which, by the way, doesn't exist, um, rather than trying to look good, which I have no control over, um, yep. rather than that, I'm going to play for what's possible for my audience. So I looked at the passage of music. I said, hey, what does this represent? And I said, you know what? This is about the felt experience of being loved. That was my interpretation of that passage. Mm-hmm. So when I played, uh, my intention and my focus went towards the audience's felt experience mm-hmm. of being loved. Mm-hmm. Now, I had decades of trying to get all the notes right and trying to be perfect. Yeah. So with every note, my brain would say, oh, what if you screw this up? Oh, what if you get this next note wrong? Oh, what if you miss this? And every note I had to recommit myself. It's not about that. I don't care. Mm -hmm. I am playing for the felt experience of being loved for my audience. I am standing for that possibility. I had to keep with every note, recommit to letting go of getting it right Mm -hmm. and standing for what was possible for my audience. At the end of that solo, I had played better under pressure than I ever had before. And I couldn't wait to do it again. This was an experience I had never had before. Um, Usually I had played worse than I had before and I wanted to sell my instrument. Mm -hmm. This was simply because I stood for a bigger game. Now, the principle you asked earlier, what does stage fright have to do with business? Okay, yeah. The principle is the only reason you have your current problems is because you don't have bigger problems. Okay. My old current problems in stage fright were stress, pressure, not playing well under pressure. That was the problems I had. I took on a bigger problem, which mm-hmm. was standing for what was possible for everyone in the room. Much bigger problem. And it made the old problems fall away. They were now okay. small potatoes. Yep. Um, many people, they have goals of, of wanting to work out or exercise or lose weight and they keep failing. They start the diet, they stop the diet, they go to the gym, they stop going to the gym, whatever it is, they keep falling short. And remember, whatever your problems are, it's because you don't have bigger problems. Yeah. The people that instead of trying to lose weight, instead of trying to get in shape, instead of that, they say, I'm going to run a marathon or I'm going to complete a triathlon. Those people do not struggle with their weight. They don't struggle with their fitness. They don't struggle with their diet or discipline or willpower or effort. They don't struggle with any of that. They don't struggle with stopping to eat donuts on the way home. Mm -hmm. And the reason is they're playing a bigger game, which is how am I going to stay alive 
for 150 miles or however <laughs> long a triathlon is. Like, how am I? That that's their focus, and because they're playing a bigger game, losing weight, getting in shape is small potatoes. It doesn't even cross their mind. That sounds is that similar to going to the you know the meeting room of people trying to raise a hundred thousand dollars versus ten thousand, and then you come back and you feel is that similar or yes or, yes yes okay yeah all right then let's uh, let's get right into the mind scan then um, I wonder if this seeing this question now I feel like it might have to do with mindset attitude maybe not but how is the mind well maybe def- describe maybe what the mind scan is but how is it different from a personality test and why might you characterize such tests as dangerous. Personality. People love personality tests. Come on. Yes, they do. Disc, Myers, Briggs, Enneagram, yeah. Strength Finders. Um, although, yes, uh, they're, they're loads of fun. And they give you cool information and you get to share it with your friends and you get to talk about how I'm an INTJ <laughs> or I'm a rabbit or, you know, I'm a rock or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, it's fun. It, it really is fun. Uh, the, the pro- it's, it's dangerous. It's dangerous because by giving you a label – it restricts your identity. And this is why people say, oh, no, no, no. It's because I'm an INTJ. Okay. No, you are everything and nothing. You are all possibilities in one place. Mm-hmm. The only reason you say you're an INTJ is because a test came up with that label. You can and do so, whatever you want. And sometimes it's easy. It's easy that it gives you, I don't want to say excuses sounds too negative about it, but it gives people an excuse to say things that they can't do as well. That's another reason why people like it. If I, I would yeah. I might say they like to be he limited and say, look, well, it's not me. I'm, what am I supposed to do? I'm just, a, I'm this kind of person. Yeah. That's just how I am. I've always been this way. Mm. Um, so it's, it's great. It keeps you stuck. It keeps you safe. It, it makes you right about why everyone's wrong it makes you feel justified about why your life isn't working. Mm-hmm. Doesn't move the ball forward. Um, another thing is those tend to because they're personality assessments. Um, well, we talked about this earlier, but they're measuring things that don't matter um, because your outlook on life, your personality, your attitude, yourself, whatever. It, there's no reflection between that and business success. Um, that's that's a different set of skills yeah, okay. and beliefs that drive that. Um, but they're population comparisons. Um, so they say, Hey, you have these traits, which you already knew you had for crying out loud. Yep. Um, 25% of the population has the same traits. Yeah. That's not helpful. If you went to the doctor and the doctor said, Hey, you have this condition, but don't worry because we have a 60% success rate treating it. That's not helpful. We need to know what side of that 60% line are you? Mm-hmm. That's what we need to know. The, the Nobel nominated process I use does that because it only measures the individual, mm-hmm. not their personality, and it doesn't compare them or label them. It's just a measurement of how their mind solves problems. All right. Great. Well, um, how, how does the mind scan reveal thinking blind spots and how can we remove those blind spots? Um, one of the ways that it reveals them is by mapping out how the brain solves problems. Um, by seeing the visual path that the brain takes to navigate the world and solve problems, we're able to see where the obstacles are, where the blind spots are, mm-hmm. things that that individual's mind hasn't considered yet, things that that individual could be over-considering that are keeping them stuck, keeping them in a rut. Okay. Now, um, I meant to I meant to mention at the beginning of, the, of this, uh, this this interview here, um, but uh, Jared, uh, this is not the first time we met. We had a, we got on a call earlier in the week because Jared uh, very generously allowed me to take the mind scan and gave me a consultation and re- a review of it. And we went through and had a great, uh, fascinating conversation. And uh, a lot of interesting concepts came up. I'd like to ask you about some of these concepts now. Um, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So. One, one term I really liked is what does it mean to be in your clumsy versus in your genius or sweet spot, as you called it? I like the sound of that. Please tell people about that. Yes, you cannot make a difference in your clumsy. Um, your clumsy is all of the things that you're capable of doing. You can email, you can schedule, you can reschedule, um, you can answer questions, you can troubleshoot, you can do... T- Technically, you are capable. Technically, you're able to do this. Um, Even worse, maybe you're able to learn how to do this. You're able to go to YouTube and go through tutorials and figure out how to 
that edit video feature on your software or whatever it is, that is your clumsy. Those are just because you can do something doesn't mean you should be doing something. Yeah. Uh, your genius are the things that put you in the zone where your mind seems more quiet, more focused. You feel a greater sense of purpose and fulfillment. Everything in your life just seems to be working better. That is your genius. Now, nine times out of 10, whatever that thing is that your genius is, is going to also be the highest earning task you can do. It's also the thing that brings the most value and revenue back into your business. Some people, they're like, but no, 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 because my business is I work as an accountant and my genius is painting. Well, here's the deal. The more time you spend painting, the more your mind is quieted, the more it's focused, and that meditative space that it enters is what sponsors new ideas and cross-pollination and opportunities. Mm -hmm. While you're painting, that's when you have the most aha moments. Oh my gosh, I could do this with my accounting business. Oh my gosh, I should do this with my firm. Oh my gosh, I could, I could do this instead. You're having like all these, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I could do this, that, and the other. That's your genius. Mm -hmm. The problem is you go to work the next day and you're clumsy. And you're like moving numbers and punching spreadsheets and you're doing very basic tasks that anybody else could do. Mm -hmm. And it pulls your energy away from your genius back into your clumsy. All right. We need to delegate those things to somebody else because there's some nut job out there that absolutely comes alive when they're doing those tasks. Right. And by us continuing to do our clumsy, we are robbing somebody else of their genius. Okay. Well, how can somebody restructure their day around their zone of genius, which you mentioned? And even that guy, like even that accountant, it sounds to me, okay, he gets the ideas for his business, but his business still seems to be accounting and he goes in and does his clumsy. Like how would he, I don't get how he would bring, you know, so he should just have stop being an accountant and paying to get ideas for accounting. I, I, I'm, I'm missing something here. Help me out. So there's a couple options. Um, yeah. In the case of the accountant whose brain comes alive, um, while he's there, they're painting, um, for crying out loud, you can make just as much money painting as you can accounting. Um, so there's no reason why they couldn't be painting. Um, the trap though is for some accountants that do this, they leave their, um, profession and they move into their passion. And when you're in the self-employed startup mode, you kind of quickly get covered up wearing all the hats and trying to do everything yourself. And that is just right back where we were started. You're in your clumsy. You're not in the thing that you do the best. Um, so it's a matter of learning how to partner with other people, how to trade with other people, how to barter with other people, how to do whatever it takes so that other people can do those tasks while you stay in your zone of genius. Um, for some people, this is hard to do. They, they don't quite see the connections. They don't quite see how it applies to their work. And for them, I would say, start with the mind scan because the mind scan reveals how the brain is making sense. And that's, will also reveal why some things don't make sense. Um, and then after that, we usually roll into some mindset pushups because that's what rewires the way the brain solves problems. Mm -hmm. And that's where they start to get those kind of aha moments. Oh my gosh, now I totally see how I could do this. Okay. Um, I, well, you say mindset push-ups. Maybe can you tell us what mindset push-ups are? And you're quite free to, um, if you want to bring up some slides or something uh, for people who are watching on video on YouTube, then uh, this would be helpful. Uh, for those listening, then, I mean, you can go and find the YouTube version and, and get this. But obviously, you'll be talking through and I'm sure you'll get uh, lots out of it. But uh, that could be very helpful maybe as we go through. Um, so mindset push-ups in general, would you like to describe what that is in general? And then maybe we'll go through some examples now and maybe ask you about some more uh, specific thinking patterns and other concepts. Sure, sure. So uh, mindset push-ups, um, it's an external reference point that rewires the way the brain solves problems. Mm -hmm. um, I, I gave an example earlier with uh, the $10,000 problem versus the $100,000 problem. Mm -hmm. that, that is a type of stretching. Um, to do it specifically for your business, um, this isn't this isn't, this isn't really a mindset pushup, but it, I think it gives 
gives you an idea of how they work and why they work. Okay. Um, whatever your business is, let's say that you're in real estate and you're helping people buy and sell houses. And on average, you help four people a month buy and sell houses on average. Okay. So what you'd want to do is you'd want to times 10. So instead of four people a month, it's now 40 people a month and go to work creating a sustainable plan, a realistic sustainable plan that would allow you to do 40 transactions a month. Well, but you know, obviously it's not just 40 because you got to have a whole lot of leads. Not everybody you talk to is going to want to buy and sell that much sure. or work with you that, even that year. So how, you, you got to know your numbers. Like how many people would you have to be talking to so that 40 of them, I mean, you might have to talk to 400 people a month in order for 40 of them to buy and sell with you. Okay. So if you got to talk to 400 people a month, how are you going to get in front of 400 people? Mm-hmm. You certainly can't have coffee one-on-one. You'll never make it. Mm-hmm. Um, you might could call, but you're going to spend all day, every day calling. That's incredibly inefficient. Yep. So, but maybe you could do podcast audience. Maybe you could do local morning TV show. Maybe you could do local radio show. Maybe you could do newspaper article. Maybe you know. So then we look at how can I um, be in front of more people at one time? So it's taking less of my time to get more accomplished. Okay. So then you put that in place and then you're like, ah, oh, yeah, but I'd have to have somebody who could help all these people and somebody who could, you know, show houses and answer questions and troubleshoot. I can't do all of that. There's no way I personally could do 40 in a month. Okay. How many people do you need? How long is it going to take to train them? You know, how, how are you going to pay for them? How are they going to be compensated? All right. So now we've got the 10 X solution. And, and, you're, and you realize that, you know, this is doable over the course of three years or four years. You know, I could scale to that. All right. So now we go to the next level. You are going to go 10x from four deals a month to 40 deals a month. And you're going to do that in 30 days. Now we got to put a plan in place that would allow you to scale to that size in 30 days. Mm-hmm. Usually when I go through this exercise with people, their brain crashes and they say, there's no way that's impossible. Mm-hmm. It's not impossible. It's just that the current way that you're thinking, your current strategies won't get us there in 30 days. Right. Your current strategies will get you four deals a month. And maybe if you're lucky, over the next four years, we might scale up. But those current strategies will not take you to 40 deals a month in one month, in the next 30 days. They won't. We have to tap into a whole nother set of strategies, a whole nother way of thinking. Mm -hmm. So how can you get in front of even larger audiences with even less time? How can you speak, speak to a room of a thousand people or 5,000 people? And how Mm -hmm. could you do this on a regular basis so that more people are hearing your message and you are able to spend more, less time reaching them, right? Because that's what would make it possible. Mm -hmm. Now we're thinking on a much higher level, Mm -hmm. a much more efficient level. And once you see it, once you see how it can be done realistically, then your brain kind of has an aha moment. Just like uh, when you're reading a book and you have that, oh my gosh, total aha moment. Just like that, your brain has that moment. And in that moment, it has physically moved some neurons around to make a new connection that it didn't have before. That aha moment is what the mindset pushups do. Uh, Many of them you have to experience though, just like riding a bicycle. um, Before you learned how to ride a bicycle, if you saw somebody ride a bicycle and said to yourself, yeah, I know how to ride. You, you do the pedals to make it go forward and you move the handlebars. Yeah, I know how to ride a bike. No, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. What you see them doing is not riding a bike. You, you don't. You don't. I know it looks like it is. I know it does. Mm-hmm. What do we see? Uh, but until you sit on a bicycle, you can't possibly understand that it's mm-hmm. not moving the pedals and moving the handlebars. No. Like you, you can't even possibly understand. You have to sit on the bike. Mm-hmm. That's what the mindset pushups do. And that is the difference between experiencing the shift and thinking that aha moment mm-hmm. and uh, reading about it or mm-hmm. um, seeing it or something like that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I hope that answers your question. No, no, I, I got, no, I got the idea. I mean, yeah, it's something, yeah, I got it. 
I got it. And certainly the idea of a push-up, I mean, it should make sense on its own, a mindset push-up. It means that we're trying to strengthen our brain. We're trying to make new connections just as you would in a muscle. And if you do, if you want to uh, have muscle growth, you have to push beyond what you're, what you're currently doing. You have to do something different and ask it to do something more, and then your body will respond. I'm saying you're going to make new connections by doing something. But as far as what they are, um, yeah, we, it's hard to describe um, – I get to, can you describe the concept of what they actually are? We can't know until we experience them. I get it. Um, what are some thinking patterns of success and how can we leverage them? I mean, I, I have some specific questions, but maybe it's better if you want to highlight a few particular ones. Like I, you, talk, you told me about the leadership V versus the Chevron of stress. And that was, that was fun. Um, that's a common one. Maybe there are others like that that you would share with us maybe? Yeah, I think to do that, maybe I should pull up some slides so we could see what's going on. Yeah, that's what I mean. And if you're listening, I'll I'll describe what it looks like while we're going through this. Great. Um, Let me pull this up right here. Okay. Um, To kind of set the stage for what the thinking patterns are, how they're different, um, just to bring a little bit of awareness to why your life looks the way it does, why your life is the same year after year, why, despite working hard, you're not doubling your income, your life isn't leveling up. And the reason is there's three things that are holding you back. Number one, everything you're doing to solve that problem, it, you, like you're already doing everything that you're doing. You know, you're already working hard. Um, if there was something else you could be doing, you'd be doing it. And what that means is a breakthrough in your situation won't come from more effort. Because if it would come for more effort, you'd already have that breakthrough. Number two, everything you're doing seems like a good idea. Like you talk to your friends and family and they're like, yeah, that's probably, you know, what I would do too. It's rational. It makes sense. So because of that, we know that working smarter isn't going to help or it would have by now. Like you would have already thought of that idea. What that means is that a breakthrough in your situation will at first seem like a really bad idea. Uh, This is back to the bicycle analogy. Before you learn how to ride a bike, at some point somebody said, you need to go faster because when you go faster, it's easier to balance. Mm -hmm. And when they said that, your brain was like, that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. It didn't make Mm -hmm. sense. It seemed like a bad idea. And this is the dilemma, um, which is what Einstein was saying when he said, you need to try harder. I'm kidding. He didn't say that. Yeah, uh, I, was gonna say, I don't is, remember that one. <laughs> yeah, he didn't say that. He said, you can't solve a problem with the same level of thinking that created it. That's what okay. he really said. Um, and this is the, uh, the, if you're in your car and you back into something, um, when you back into something in your car accidentally, you don't keep backing into it. You get out of the car so you can go around back and see. Why? Because you couldn't see it from where you were sitting. You have to physically relocate your vantage point. Well, the problem is, how are you supposed to think of the thing that you can't think of? The good news is, no matter where you're at or how bad the stuck business situation is, you're only one breakthrough away. We just got to learn how to think of the thing that you haven't thought of yet. And that's where this fellow comes in, Robert Hartman. Mm -hmm. And in the 50s, the way that he mapped out our thinking patterns was nothing short of revolutionary. Um, that allows us to get out of our head and to see the things we couldn't see either of the way. Let me show you one of probably the most important thinking patterns. Now this here, you see, um, if, if you're listening, um, what we're looking at is um, three categories uh, relating to people, taking action and structure. Mm-hmm. And for this individual, their brain has a really high value on taking action. Um, They believe that action gets results. If you need more results, you should take more action. And it makes sense. Um, The problem is when we talk to them, they say, you know, I always have more on my to-do list than I have time to get done. Uh, You know, working harder and faster doesn't seem to fix anything. So the brain is solving problems by taking action, but in real life, it's not producing free time and results. It's, Mm -hmm. It's very frustrating. And that's why when this way of thinking shows up, this way of thinking that says, more action is more results. We call it the Chevron of stress. Mm-hmm. I it recognize this, but it doesn't work. <laughs> right. Yeah. So this is the Chevron of stress and that, just call the Chevron because the way the thinking patterns are printed up, um, that high value on action produces kind of a Chevron shape in the thinking patterns. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's other people who seem to 
um, work less but make more. They seem to have the golden touch. Mm-hmm. It seems like they go on vacation and they make more money while they're not working. It's the weirdest thing ever, right? Mm-hmm. When we do um, a printup of their thinking patterns, it, they solve problems with totally different values. Um, so we're looking at a, another graph here. And you can see in their mind, they have a real high value on systems and they have a real high value on relationships mm-hmm. and they have a real low value on taking action. And this is very counterintuitive. Like why is it that the person who values action the least has the most results to show for it? What? So yeah. whenever this way of thinking shows up, we call it the leadership V. And the reason it works is because there's no limit on the number of systems you can build to support you or the number of relationships you can build to support you. But there's a very hard limit on what you personally can get done. Mm-hmm. And that's why for this individual, when they are at work, they're producing things that scale. And that's why they always have enough free time and always have enough results. But for the stressed individual, when they're at work, they're doing the work, which is why they always have enough stress and always have too much to do. Yep. So the leadership be probably one of the most important ways of thinking for success in business. All right. Okay. Um, then do you have any other, uh, is, is, does stress ever look like anything else? Are there other things that look like stress? So that's in, I see the Chevron of stress. Is there any other thinking pattern that looks like stress and, or, um, well, thinking patterns that do different things. Um, yeah, yeah. so for, for some people, they, um, they don't have a lot of clarity around mm-hmm. their, um, sweet spot. Mm-hmm. And so at the end of their day, they have a sense of emptiness and kind of unfulfillment. It's very mm-hmm. frustrating. Mm-hmm. Well, w- working harder doesn't fix that. You, you have to do the mindset pushup work to get the clarity that you need. Mm-hmm. Um, some people, their clarity, their natural understanding of systems and structure isn't as clear as it could be. Mm-hmm. So what happens is they do plan and they, they do work on process, but then they have to replan and they have to work on more process. It's like what they planned didn't happen that way in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, their, their plans keep getting frustrated. Um, yeah. And so we, you know, we just do the mindset pushups to get that greater sense of clarity so right. their plans take effect. And now they're thinking like a leader where they're creating free time and having more results to show for it. All right. Then what, what are the most common thinking patterns that come up? Have you, you've done this with hundreds or maybe, I don't know how many people, thousands maybe, at least hundred. How, what are the most common thinking patterns and what are most people missing? So probably the first most common one is the Chevron of stress. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea that more action gets more results. Okay. Um, probably the second one would be just the flat line. Um, in this one, the individual is valuing relationships, action, and planning equally. They're valuing all three equally. And that creates a, a sense of frustration, kind of like um, you're spinning your wheels. Yeah. Uh, you're so busy throwing three balls in the air that you don't have time to throw one of them high enough to make a difference. Okay. Um, so the flat line is also uh, very, very frustrating. Um, and then after that, it gets very specific to the individual, just kind of based on their levels of clarity and awareness and personal values. I can imagine that. So, um, we're talking a lot about business, uh, business people, entrepreneurs. What about, uh, people who are, don't consider themselves business people or entrepreneurs? Is this mind scanned for them? Is it for anybody in general? Yeah. Yeah. Let me, let me tell you about a, a friend of mine, Morgan. So Morgan, uh, at her, at work, she was running a multiple six figure business, but she would come home. And when she would come home, she had like four little kids and she would be instantly busy doing home stuff, you know, take out the trash, make dinner, clean up, right? Just normal home stuff. And this is very frustrating to her because she wanted to spend time with her family. She wanted to be present with her family. Um, and so in that situation, she was doing Remember the three truths that keep you stuck. You're doing everything you can. Everything you're trying makes sense. Your breakthrough won't make sense. So she was doing everything that she could. She was trying to figure out how to get the, the stuff done faster so she could spend more time with her kids. That wasn't working. She was trying to communicate with her spouse to ask for help. That wasn't working. Um, it, it, and all that stuff seems like a good idea. It makes sense, but it wasn't working. 
Well, by taking the mind scan, it helped her brain to see something that she hadn't seen before in the way she was communicating that and specifically what she was requesting. Mm -hmm. So she goes back to her spouse and in that one conversation produces 10 free hours every week to not do busy work and to only be present with her kids. So it doesn't work for non-business people every day and twice on Sunday. Absolutely. Oh. <laughs> there you go. Great. Um, now, you, I see you've got the book there, um, yes. Thinking Patterns of Success. It's uh, how seven-figure earners get more done with less effort. Who is that book for? Why did you write the book? Uh, the book is mostly for people who enjoy personal development, mm-hmm. um, people who like reading nonfiction books, because mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of strategy in there. Um, mm-hmm. I wrote the book because I wanted to be able to reach more people um, with the message. All right. Okay. Well, there you go. So actually we should pick it up then. All right. Um, let me, I want to bring it into something, uh, something a little more personal. Um, a few, a few th- uh, fun things. Uh, first of all, though, uh, related to the mind scan, how has your own life changed since applying mind scan? Uh, what you might call, I don't know if you'll call them techniques, programs or whatever. Um, yeah. Can you give us a personal account? Yeah. Um, before I took the mind scan, uh, myself, <clears throat> yep. I was in a situation where people would tell me that I was doing a great job and that they thought I had a lot of skill and knowledge, but no matter how much they praised me, they wouldn't actually refer me. That was really frustrating. Mm. Um, After I took the mind scan, I saw the way my brain was solving problems and how it had a tendency to devalue the emotional experience, devalue the relationship experience. Mm -hmm. So I changed the way that I was uh, reacting and interacting with um, the clients I was working with and now they refer me to higher paying deals and opportunities. Um, they open the door for me. They go ahead. They, they're more proactive about those kind of referral opportunities because I changed the way I was valuing their emotional experience. And I got that from the mind scan. All right. Well, that's a pretty uh, clear and great answer. Um, I want to ask you about some of this other stuff. This show, obviously, we're, we're, we're interested very much in how to access more of our brain, how to think at a higher level. Um, but it's also about living an integrated life of meaning and happiness and fun. And you seem to be living a life, man. So I would love to hear uh, for fun some of this stuff. Um, you've got the New York, uh, New Mex- excuse me, New Mexico State diving record, skydiving. Is, is, is that right? How did yes, you get into that? Record. And uh, why has, does a South Carolina guy have a New Mexico record? <laughs> well, at the, at the time I was living in Texas. Um, okay. And uh, I, I had some friends that were going to try a new record attempt in New Mexico. So I just drove across the border uh, so I could be on that jump. Um, I wasn't able to get on the jump for Texas. Um, it was kind of more of a secret society inner cir- circle. And I didn't know the secret handshake. And yeah. plus there's just way more skydivers in Texas that are available and qualified for something like that. Um, since I've come to South Carolina, um, I'm not sure how in the world I would ever do that because the, the world record was done in South Carolina a couple of years ago. And so they're, you know, they have the best skydivers in the world, um, of which I am not, I am, okay. but a mere hobbyist. Well, how even get into that hobby? What, what's, what's it? Okay. Skydiving. And then is this, a, is this a result of, um, you know, freeing up your time and you said, now nah, I've got more time. I'm going to try to experience new things is what? Is that what all oh, this skydiving is for whatever reason, ever since I was a kid, okay. I've always been attracted to being in the air. I've just always loved it. Um, I feel more free and more alive. I've just okay. always loved it. Oh, it was just, yeah. Five-year-old getting into the soccer and you're into the skydiving. Pretty, <laughs> pretty standard stuff. I got it. All right, then what about the Robin Hood arrow? You said you split an arrow Robin Hood style. How, uh, you know, again, how and why would you even get into that kind of thing? Uh, when I was in high school, I used to shoot archery after school just as, yep. a, as a hobby. I'd come home and shoot in the backyard. And I had a goal of being able to split an arrow, put one arrow inside another arrow yep. uh, at target distance. And and I wasn't even close. Like there was no way that was ever <laughs> going to happen for me in high school. I was all over the map. It was horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, so I stopped shooting. I probably didn't shoot for 25 years or so. Mm-hmm. And um, I picked it back up. Uh, probably about three years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, so I got a new bow and uh, set up some targets at the house and I would just shoot like 15 minutes a day. I would just shoot. And my understanding though of what shooting a bow and arrow was completely different. 
Um, some people don't know this, but um, an accurate shot on the bow, uh, when the arrow releases, it should surprise you. You should be so relaxed that when the arrow finally goes, it, it startles you a little bit like, oh, whoa, I guess that was it. Okay. Um, and that's the way that you're able to hold the bow on target. If you're like squeezing, trying to push the bow on target, that's why you miss. So that finally clicked in my head, the idea of allowing the arrow to go instead of shooting the arrow and making it go. Um, and then it wasn't long after that, that I had that skill dialed in to where I could split the arrow on purpose. Wow. Which I, you only do a couple times because arrows are so expensive. But it's yeah. <laughs> well, of course, it'd be really fun. I wonder if, if as you did split the first arrow, was there like fire behind you? And, uh, <laughs> it, you know, was it in slow motion? <laughs> and was Brian Adams playing at the same time? Yes, 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 yes. All that's, um, it was, it was a happy, sad moment. Um, it was happy because this is something that I had dreamed of being able to do since I was in high school. Yeah. It was sad because like all accomplishments, once you do it, it's no longer that big of a deal. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, it sounds like a big deal to, to me anyway, still. So at least you can, maybe you can try to uh, get it through other people going, man, that's amazing. But I don't know if you can ever recapture it, but uh yeah. Well, congratulations anyway on that. Um, Thank you. Just a couple more quick ones. The it's a, you were in a plane upside down. What's up with this? I mean, this is this is just all fascinating. Just because you're doing all these these things, it's quite something, Jared. People, are, this is not normal life. life. Yeah. Appreciate so growing up, my dad had a plane. Um, his dad, my grandfather, was a, a bomber pilot in World War II, mm-hmm. and because of that, my dad always wanted to be a pilot. So he he got a plane and he started flying. And that allowed me access to a plane. So I, I, I learned and I started flying. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I would talk to some of the other pilots and they would talk about rolling an, an airplane, like doing a barrel roll. And I would ask them, like, how do you do that? And like they would say, I'd be like, okay. Hmm. And it didn't seem like there was any like weird trick to it. Just do this. Um, I mean, don't be an idiot. There are some things you need to pay attention to. Yeah. Um, so I did some research, watched some YouTube videos, and eventually I got to the point where I was like, you know, I think I can do this. I think that's all there is. So with just me in the airplane, with no instructor walking me through it, showing me what to do, I gave that plane a couple rolls. Wow. Again, nice work. What can I say? This is all great. I, I just a have fun. a couple more, if you don't mind, of, of, on this on this stuff here. Yeah, um, it's the... The World Tickle Championship. How does one prepare for a World Tickle Championship? And again, how, and even more importantly, again, why? What is going on? So tell us. Oh, about okay. That. So uh, for this one, the World Tickle Championship in the five-year-old category, the truth is it is a made-up title that I gave myself. Oh, okay. Um, there is no World Tickle Championship that I am aware of. <laughs> All right. Okay, and you're just very good at it with your son, is that it? <laughs> I just made it up, gave it to myself. He's uh, oh. ten years old now, so. Okay, because I, I, I didn't look into it and check it out, so I just thought I'll just ask him about it because I thought, well, why not? There's a lot of, you know, weird stuff, and weird's not necessarily bad, but a lot of weird stuff out there. Why not? I think they could have these people out here judging and saying, okay, if you can make <laughs> these kids laugh at this level, you get, you're the man, right? And you know how to, I don't know. I thought it might be something like that. But anyway, that's good. Um, and this one here, um, I know the, your expertise here is obviously on on the mind scan and thinking patterns. Um, but you have you did refer to um, your experience on the carnivore diet. And I am, I am interested to hear uh, layman's experiences as well, like my own. I like to share my own experience and see what I can make of it. So I wouldn't mind if you could just tell me briefly uh, how you define what the carnivore diet is and how, why you characterize it as reckless. And, and what was your experience? Okay. Um, so the carnivore diet was um, not by choice, if I could say it that way. I was in a situation where my health was getting worse and worse. Uh, this was a, a slow decline over years. 
And I was, I was doing everything I could think of. I would try um, juicing or fasting or vegetables or probiotics um, or cutting um, known um, uh, inflammation foods like wheat and dairy and corn and stuff. And it wasn't working. It was getting worse and worse. Just kept getting worse. And eventually, I was like, I was in bed. I was just in bed all day, like three days a week. Um, I just, I couldn't, I had horrible ADD and head fog. I couldn't function. I was going to be homeless. Mm -hmm. So I heard a podcast episode uh, with Joe Rogan where he interviewed Jordan Peterson and Michaela Peterson. Mm -hmm. And they told their story about the problems that they were having and the carnivore diet and how they switched to all meat and how it like saved their life. And when I heard that at the time, I was like, this is the dumbest idea I've ever heard. You've got to be kidding me. Mm-hmm. But a year later, I was desperate. Yep. And so I gave it a try and I switched to all meat. The first day I had two ribeye steaks, big ones, and lots of bacon. The mm-hmm. next day I had, to, and I felt immediately wonderful. I felt more energy and clarity than I ever had ever. It was amazing. So I kept doing it and kept doing it. And I was like, well, if it's still working, I guess I'll keep doing it. And then at this point I had been doing it for a month. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, should I keep doing it? I mean, I feel great. And anytime I eat something else, I feel horrible. So I started researching. What about vitamin deficiency? What about scurvy? What about high cholesterol? What about heart disease? What about like all the things that I was worried about and everything that I learned about how the carnivore diet works and why it works. I felt safer with all of those issues on the carnivore diet than on the omnivore diet. Mm -hmm. Now that being said, I'm not saying that everybody should do this. I do not believe the carnivore diet is for everyone. Right. Right. For me, it worked. Sure. Just like the mindset I've been doing is it not for a year now, you know, people. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'm very much, I, I'm not going to get into all, to all that right now. People have seen other episodes of the show we've had on different health experts and, uh, and the way I think about it in general, but I'm somewhere along that line, more certainly higher protein, higher fat, but I'm not going to get into all that. Uh, but I was very curious to hear another person's experience and I didn't know whether it was going to be positive or negative before I asked you to be honest. So, uh, it's very curious. So, I very much appreciate you getting into that personal stuff. I know we, we want to focus on the topic you came here to discuss, which is the mind scan and, uh, and, the, and the work that you love to, to help people with. Um, just to, to turn back to that then before we go off, is there anything that we didn't cover that you might like to, uh, you wish I had asked you, or maybe something you finally you'd like to say in summary to people before we ask them, uh, before we ask you where they can reach you? Uh, in, in summary, if, if you're taking notes you want to put a, a big sign on your on your wall and the sign should say the less i do the more i make and start looking at your to-do list with that in mind how could i work less but all this stuff still get done how could i do that and that'll open up new ways for you to have more free time and more results to show for it. Well, that's an excellent word. Okay, then before I ask you where people can go get you, I want to make say a final word to people. Um, you can see everybody. There's lots of value in this uh, interview. So please go ahead and share it with someone you think uh, could really benefit from hearing Jared's message. Um, and of course, uh, obviously a lot of questions occur to you and uh, people are not happy with the questions I've asked. You have questions. Well, you go ahead and ask your question. Uh, go ahead and ask um, on the comment section, wherever you consume, of course, you can go to the Mr. Brightside Facebook page and find where we post uh, this interview and ask a comment there. It's facebook.com slash matthewbolton.ca. Uh, now, Jared, if they want to go in and uh, contact you directly or learn more about you and your work, where should people go? Or if they want to take the MindScan? Uh, well, uh, to learn more about the MindScan, you just go to mindsetperformance.co. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, I'm available on the socials. Uh, hit me up on the Book of Faces Jared Hanning, H-A-N-I-N-G. Um, you see my TEDx talks on YouTube. Uh, but mostly, I, I would say, uh, if, if you're interested in 
seeing what your thinking patterns might look like, uh, start with the mind scan and you can find that at mindsetperformance.co. All right. And we'll get all those links up uh, for everybody to, so you can go there easily. Um, Jared, uh, really fun talk and, and very informative. Thank you very much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right. And to everybody else then, uh, I certainly agree with Jared that a breakthrough in your business, however you define your business, will first happen as a breakthrough in your thinking. See whether the MindScan can help you access more of your brain and make that breakthrough shift. It is all about mindset. I'll see you guys next time. Mr. Brightside, your time out to refresh, refuel, and refocus your mind and energy toward building an optimistic framework for flourishing. Life is good. It's up to you to choose the bright side.